You're listening to the More and Better Disciples podcast, a resource to equip the church to make more and better disciples for Jesus Christ. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode six of the More and Better Disciples podcast. I'm your host, Keith Caps, here with Phil Kramer, lead pastor of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. How's it going, Phil? Keith, we're having a great day. How about yourself, brother? Oh, man, I am loving it, as the Mickey D fans, fans say. That's right. Uh, 70-something degrees outside, bright and sunny. Is spring around the corner? Some people don't like this weather. Some people like it cold. Uh, they, they like it miserable. They like it arctic. Not me. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah, not me either. I mean, uh, congratulations to the Chiefs on a Super Bowl win. But now football's done. I'm ready for baseball in spring weather. Bring it on, is that's what a, I say. That's a good reminder, man. i got to cancel my YouTube TV now that football season's over because there's nothing good to watch until uh, August. <laughs> yeah, yeah, YouTube TV for the win. There you go. Hey, but, man, it's been a great weekend here at Crossgate. Um, lots of exciting things going on. Kicked off a new series on marriage, and um, that's always fun. But been an exciting few days for you, right? Uh, you took a little trip the last few days? Yeah, man. Uh, Shara and I left super early on Monday morning, and really we didn't even think about doing this till late Saturday night. I, I talked to her. I said, I got a crazy idea. I said, let's just load up and go to Asbury University early Monday morning, and we'll be there Monday afternoon and evening. We'll hit it some more on Tuesday, and then we'll drive back and be, late, be back late Tuesday night. And that's pretty much what went down, man. We, we went over there and just we wanted to, to experience and see for, firsthand the, uh, the, the, re, the revival that's taking place at Asbury campus. That is awesome. Definitely seeing a lot and hearing a lot about what's going on there in Wilmore, Kentucky, and excited to hear more about the story and your firsthand account this coming Sunday, right? Yeah, this Sunday morning, we kind of, well, talking about football uh, language again, we called an audible for this Sunday. Instead of continuing our uh, teaching series on what the Bible says about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, I'm basically going to take that sermon time to talk about what's going on uh, at Asbury, both in terms of uh, play-by-play within color commentary in terms of here are some things that, that we should be thinking about as a church and as followers of Jesus going forward based on what God is doing there. That's exciting and definitely praying that the flame of revival will spread. And uh, speaking of prayer, that leads us into our topic for today, which is a disciple that prays or a praying disciple, kicking off kind of a mini-series um, entitled Essentials for Growth. We're going to be covering some essentials for growth as disciples of Jesus, and we're discussing, am I a disciple that prays or a praying disciple? And we'll get into the difference here in a few minutes, but Phil, I, we're calling this an essential for Christian growth. Why is prayer so essential for our growth as Christians? Well, it definitely is, Keith. It's it's hugely essential uh, for a couple reasons, and and I think the two words that come to my mind is communion and communication. Uh, you know, certainly when we think of prayer, we typically think of communication with God, and our default and the way we think about that is this is my time to communicate things to God, right? I'm going to be praying for other people. I'm going to be praying for myself. I'm going to be asking for something. I'm going to be somehow talking to God. Uh, And that's an important part of prayer. Certainly prayer is also a time when we get still and listen uh, for God to speak, although, you know, few people really, really think about it in those terms, but it's true. I mean, we should be stopping from talking and we should be listening. Uh, But still, both of those are very task-oriented. It's something we're doing. We're listening, 
right? We're talking. That, that's, but that's the communication part. The communion part is a thing that a lot of times I think people overlook, and that is uh, being with God. You know, prayer is not first and foremost talking to God. Prayer is a time to be with God. And that may even sound a little abstract, but I would tell you that, that the distinction between those two words and those two concepts, uh, probably one of the biggest uh, spiritual changes that I've experienced in the last 30 years was when God brought me to the place where I truly understood the difference between the two. Yeah, that's really good. And an important distinction, you know, when when we think about as disciples, um, our, our walk with Jesus, you know, we're talking about a relationship, not just some kind of agreement that's out there, right? Uh, it is a relationship. And as you were speaking, I was thinking about yesterday was Valentine's Day. And um, man, I was, I was loved being able to um, go out to dinner with my wife mm-hmm. last night and spend some time together. My in-laws kept her kids. But, you know, Phil, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't go into that dinner and our time together last night um, and just slide a list of demands across the table um, to my wife. You know, uh, we got to enjoy conversation. I got to listen to her to get to know her. And I think it's kind of what you mean by communion uh, when you're just spending time together. Um, in in God's presence, and you're right. A lot of times we do miss that, so I really appreciate you bringing that up. So prayer is essential for a disciples' growth, and and I would say that we would all agree that, um, to that and want to make prayer uh, a part of our lives. But there's a difference in a disciple that prays and a praying disciple, right? Um, what do we mean by that? Well, that, that is a big distinction, certainly, that we have made at Crossgate Church as a church. You know, we don't want to be a, just a church that prays, but we want to be a praying church. And how I've made one of those big distinctions, at least at the congregational level, is that in many cases, corporate prayer in most churches is only a segue or transition from one thing to the next. Okay, take, for example, a worship service. Uh, 99% of the praying that takes place in most church services is simply a segue between welcome and announcements and song, or song and sermon, or sermon and whatever, right? And so we, we fill the gaps between what we're really wanting to do with prayers here and there. Now, there's nothing wrong with that per se, but that is, to me, that is just scratching the absolute tip of the iceberg in terms of what corporate prayer should look like. Where are we, you know, when you look at your church calendar, and we talk about prioritizing time and space when it comes to prayer, prioritizing prayer in time and space at Crossgate Church, where are those places on our calendar, whether it's the macro calendar or even just the, the, the order of worship and what we're doing on Sunday morning, where is that place and time when we are praying simply for the sake of praying? It's not because it's a segue to something else or, hey, let's open this meeting with a word of prayer or let's open this class with a word of prayer, that kind of thing, or let's, let's close out with a word of prayer. To me, that's, that's, that's basically praying but that's not really becoming a praying disciple or, or what have you. You know, there's, there's got to be times when we are devoting corporately but also individually times simply for prayer. Think about your own personal life. If, if we were to pin a lot of Christians down and say, you know, tell me the extent of your prayer life. Uh, I pray before I eat. Or we pray with the kids before they go to bed. Again, segues, right? Segues from, uh, you know, the day into a meal or from the day into bedtime or what have you, right? And so... To be, to be a praying disciple rather than a disciple who prays means that you have, to, you have to carve out that time. But here's the huge thing, Keith. Even when we start talking about, okay, well, I do have a quiet time, 
right? Yes, I've got a prayer time with the Lord. Okay, well then my question is this. Do you see that prayer time more as a task to do or a time to be, right? That's huge, man, if I do say so myself. And the reason I say that is because I've been there, right? And I am ashamed to tell you and to tell our listeners how long it took for me as a follower of Jesus before I really understood the difference between prayer being a task to do or a time to be. And I, listen, when, when I got saved, uh, I mean, I was serious. 17 years old, I was a serious high school senior following Jesus and, and into, well, my time in the Marines and then into college and so forth. And a very task-oriented person I've always been, right? Give me the list. I'm just going to knock them down. Boom, 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 boom. And I will get a lot of stuff accomplished, right? Accomplishing, doing, right? And so I, I took that mentality to my quiet time as well. And I, I went to summer camp the first summer that I was saved, and I, I learned the ACTS prayer method, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And, and I even created kind of a little a prayer list. I mean, I really developed this thing where I was praying for different people on a different day. But looking back, almost every single time I stepped into a quiet time with the Lord, and, and listen, man, I was, I was getting up early, and I was spending time, but I almost always, whether I realized it or not, I was looking at that prayer time as primarily a task to do or accomplish rather than a time to be with God, right? And it's, it, it, yes, it's important that we have a list. It's important that we're praying for, for different people and, and we're going through some of, the, some of the structural stuff. But whether it was because I was so task-oriented or I'm just a very busy person, I mean, my wife will tell you it's very rare that I sit down and not really do something, right? But... It wasn't until, you know, just in, in recent years that God really got through my, my hard head and helped me to see that prayer was primarily a time to be with God and only secondarily a time to do something, right? Huge, massive sea change in, in my relationship with the Lord once, once that bell went off. Yeah, wow. That, uh, that is so so good and so rich. And, you know, as you describe the difference, uh, a, a task to do versus uh, a time to be, man, I just, that, that echoes in my heart. Like I, I want that. I want more of that because it is, and, and I'm guilty of falling into that trap of checking the box, right? And, and prayer can very easily become a box to check rather than the air that we breathe. And I, I would say a lot of our listeners might be listening and thinking, I want that. I, I want that type of intimacy with God. Um, but the, the reality, Phil, is that that's often difficult. Um, you know, people have jobs, they have lives, they have kids, they have things going on. Um, but why, why is prayer often so difficult? And what obstacles often hinder us? Well, first of all, I mean, I think we all agree that the flesh inside of us, the last thing, the last thing the flesh inside of us and the devil, for that matter, wants us doing is praying, right? Um, you know, I, I honestly, I don't think the devil or the flesh have a problem with us coming to church on Sundays. No problem whatsoever, as long as they can keep us distracted and not praying. Uh, I don't think the devil has a problem with us, uh, you know, doing any number of religious things. But if he can keep us from praying, so we, we, we immediately have that internal and external opposition. So we're already, fa we're, we, in a sense, we already have two strikes against us, right? The, the flesh and the devil both are working overtime to ensure that we are not 
spending time in prayer. And if we are, then we see it as this drudgery, this, oh, this task. I've got to, oh, man, i got to pray, got to get up early. Oh, man, I don't have time for this, right? So first of all, we've got two strikes against us with this opposition from the, the flesh and the devil. But here's two other things. I think, first of all, it does go back to that little paradigm we, we shared just a moment ago. The difference between seeing prayer as a task to do versus a time to be. And here's something I learned and, and was, was reinforced with 2,000 pounds of, of, of spiritual strength behind it when I went to Asbury earlier this week. God's presence is timeless, right? I'm going to share that more and elaborate more with our congregation on Sunday. But I, I was reminded, and in many ways I saw in, in a whole new way that God's presence is timeless. And what I mean by that is that when, when you're truly in the presence of God and you're not just trying to get in and get out real quick, right? I mean, you, you lose track of time. And, and there's a number of testimonies coming out of this Asbury revival. And, and by the way, you know, as I'll share with our folks, you know, that school experienced a very similar movement of God back in 1970. It was 53 years ago this month. Uh, and, and that revival lasted, I think, for 10 days, almost two weeks. But very similar testimonies came out of that, too, where a number of people said when, when we were in God's presence in this revival, we, we almost lost total track of time because we weren't even time conscious. Right, and, and one of the things that I that that I have shared already from my time at Asbury was that when Shara and I went in on a Monday night, we were we were in the auditorium for five hours straight, and that eighty five percent of that eighty percent of that was like just worship songs, just one right after the other, boom, 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 boom. There was a sermon thrown in there for about twenty minutes at one point. There were some healthy prayer times and other things, but the lion's share of that was just worship. And when I walked out of there after five hours, I felt like I'd been in there for 15 minutes. And I, I couldn't explain it, right, other than to say that God's presence is timeless. But I've, I find that to be true even in my own prayer time with the Lord, you know, whether it's in the morning or sometimes I'll go in the worship center in the afternoons or whatever. And if, if, if I primarily went into those times seeing it as a task, right, then I, I think time would crawl by. Be like, oh, my goodness, man, I've, you know, I've been in prayer for five minutes. I feel like I've been here for 45 minutes. But, but when you see prayer as a, as a time to be with God and, and, and you start to truly realize you're in God's presence, I mean, I can, I can literally be on my knees at my house at the couch for 45 minutes and feel like I've been, I've been praying for five minutes. And I'm thinking, man, I wish I could stay here longer, but I got to get going and go to work or whatever, you know. So, um, so all that to say, I think, first of all, it, it, I would ask our listeners to to ponder and meditate upon that question. You know, do you see prayer and time in prayer with God as a task to do or a time to be? Because we're so time conscious, right? That's why Robbie Gallaty's question that that I heard him ask two years ago was so powerful when he said, when was the last time you had an unhurried prayer time with God? I said, man, it's been a while, right? An unhurried prayer time with God. So that's huge. Here's the second thing, you know, and this is kind of the flip side of the coin. We are so stinking busy, right? I mean, and, and we do a lot of this to ourselves. Yes, we do have to work. Yes, we've got other things, you know, family activities, whatever. But I think most of us are, are poor time managers and we waste a lot more time than we realize. You know, if you open your, your iPhone or your device and you go to the, the little deal that shows you how much screen time you've had, or, or sometimes you'll get the, uh, the little notification. It'll say, 
your, your average screen time per day is X number of hours, blah, blah, blah. It's up 4.2% since last week. I mean, we would be absolutely blown away at the amount of time we spend. And that was one of the things they talked about at Asbury, right? I mean, among other things, the, the thing that they, that they went back to over and over again was revival is all about death to self, humility, death to self, repentance, holiness, right? And, and, and they said, listen, for some of y'all, you need to go ahead and erect a tombstone over your device, right? Because, because it is keeping you from the presence of God. So I would just say we're, we're so busy, we're so noisy, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. Uh, again, huge, huge game changer for me when I realized that to spend time with God meant that I just needed to get quiet before him. And I, I could not come and say, okay, God, I, I'll give you 10 minutes, you know? Wow. Um, man, that's so convicting. And, and just to think, um, like you just said, what is keeping me from the presence of God? Hmm. Um, cause, because truly there is nothing more important in this life than God and His presence, and there are so many things that can distract us, man. Thank you for sharing that, and, and that's convicting um, even for me to, to think and ponder on. So let me, let me say this too, Keith, because this just jumped in my mind. One of the things that you're, that you're seeing come out of this Asbury revival is that people go in there and they do not want to leave. They, they simply do not want—they're they're having to kick people out. Uh, because there's, and, and this wasn't so much happening when we were there, but even in the last 24 hours, uh, you're seeing you're seeing pictures and video now of, of of long lines of people just lined up. I mean, it looks like Disney, dude. I mean, it looks like people trying to get on the Tron ride or, you know, or, or uh, Avatar ride or something at Disney. I mean, it's like people will wait three hours in line to ride a ride at Disney that lasts two minutes, right? And, and now you're seeing this massive long line of people in front of Hughes Auditorium where they are just waiting in line just so they can get in there to, to experience what's going on inside. Uh, again, we'll talk more about that on Sunday morning, but, but when, when, you're, when you're in the presence of God, man, you don't want to leave. Yeah. You simply do not want to leave. And, and it, I mean, anyway, I, I, I'll share more on Sunday, but I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's, that's, so, so even in prayer— to see prayer and to begin to see prayer as a time to be with God, when you, when you click on that level, you can't get enough of it. And, and speaking of not getting enough of it, I just I know how I feel. I think our listeners probably feel this way. After hearing you describe that, they're probably thinking, I want that. I want more of that. Um, so I, God's presence obviously is not just um, you know in one geography. Uh, one geography, one place. Like, what can we do, Phil, if we want to start taking steps to become a praying disciple? Well, yeah. What's what's your next step, right? That's what we always say at Crossgate Church. So, I think I think the traditional question that people ask, and this is true of a lot of things in life, but definitely in terms of prayer, is prayer taught or is it caught? Right. That that's. I think that first of all, that's a good question that gets us into the the answer. Uh, I think prayer can definitely be taught to a degree. I mean, look at Jesus. You know, his disciples came to him and said, teach us to pray. And so he taught them to pray, or he would give, give them some teaching on prayer. But I think, I think we oftentimes forget that, that the disciples caught prayer 
from Jesus as much as they taught prayer. Otherwise, why would they have not written down or why did they write down so many different impressions they had about his prayer time? So, for example, you see occasions where, where the disciples, uh, the Gospels record that Jesus broke away. He slipped away from the disciples and the crowds, and he basically went to some desolate place before the sun even came up and just prayed and spent time with God, right? So that's important. You, you see, I mean, John certainly took an entire chapter, John 17, to write down Jesus' high priestly prayer. And then, of course, I think the disciples were very impressed, although they didn't seem very impressed at the time, but they went back and recorded his prayer time in Gethsemane. You know, they, maybe they felt bad because they were, they were tapping out while Jesus was praying. But the fact is, Jesus' prayer life made an indelible impression upon, upon the disciples, upon the apostles, okay? And so I personally, I know this from my own experience in life, most of what I really know from prayer has been caught rather than taught. I've, I've caught it from people who were, who were strong prayer warriors, who knew how to spend time in prayer, who understood that prayer was primarily being, not doing, but even taking the baby steps, right? I mean, prayer is like anything else. The, the paradigm crawl, walk, run. We, we, you, you can't just start out running. I mean, a baby has to start crawling. And so for me, you know, as I think I've shared with you before, a little Tuesday morning men's gathering that I attended as a high school senior, it was me and a bunch of dudes in their 50s and 60s and 70s. And there was about eight or nine guys that would show up on a regular basis. And that, you know, as a, as a brand new Christian, that's where I learned the basics of, of praying, just how to pray, how to, but, but it was, it was not that they were sitting down and teaching me things. It was that I was catching it from them. I was simply praying with them. So yes, there are some good resources out there, some good teachings and books and so forth. But I, I personally think if, if someone truly wanted to grow in their, in their prayer life, they would need to get with people who know how to pray. Uh, and that's one of the reasons, again, we, we used this phrase earlier. This is one of the reasons why at Crossgate Church, we have prioritized time and, uh, excuse me, prayer and time and space, right? We've created a couple of uh, touch points called House of Prayer, one that takes place on Wednesday nights from 6 to 625 in the Worship Center. And then especially what I love is Sunday morning House of Prayer, which takes place in the loft from 830 to 9. And those are, those are opportunities where you can place yourself in close proximity to people who know how to pray. And you can just listen to them. And next thing you know, you'll find yourself praying and, and, and taking an opportunity to pray as well. Uh, another great uh, opportunity is, of course, our prayer partner network. And now we've got a number of our life groups online. You know, So life groups, the great thing about prayer partner network and life groups serving in that capacity is you're serving with the people you're already doing life with anyway. But here's the key, right? I wonder how many of our life groups are, are spending you know, upwards of 40 minutes in sustained prayer on any given day. Probably not often, but Prayer Partner Network, at least once every three months, allows them to have that 40 minutes of prayer time collectively in the bullpen prior to coming out on the platform. You know, so there's, you, again, you get around people that, that are praying and, uh, and, and you catch that. I uh, would also point out D groups. You and, I, you and I are probably the two biggest champions of D groups at Crossgate Church, right? I'm, I just kicked off one last Wednesday with five high school boys, and we meet at Chick-fil-A every, six, uh, every Wednesday morning at 6.30. And I told those guys this morning, I said, look, you guys have been in life groups before, and you've been in other bigger groups, but this is a smaller group now. And, I mean, there's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. You know, I'm going to ask every single one of you guys to pray. And, and if you don't feel comfortable praying, we'll teach you how to pray, and, and, and we'll, we'll shepherd you through that process and learning how to pray. But until you place yourself in certain contexts – where, where, where you are praying and hearing people who can pray in a more intimate setting, you just I don't know that you're really going to catch prayer. 
so again, all the more reason why we need to find we need to find those contexts where we are praying for the sake of praying and not simply as a segue to something else. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and we are out of time for today. I, I hate that because I feel like this conversation can continue, uh, but we're going to wrap it up for today. Uh, next week, we'll be covering another essential for growth, talking about the importance of Bible engagement and the role that that plays in our growth as disciples. Phil, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Keith. God bless, brother. God bless. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the More and Better Disciples podcast, a ministry of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. To learn more, join us on our website, crossgate.org.